Hello and welcome back to Digital Strategy Unlocked, your essential guide to navigating digital transformation. As always, I'm your host Deepak Sharma from Photon. Here we are on the quest to unravel the complexities of the digital world. And in today's episode, we are actually diving deep into the exciting world of artificial intelligence, moving it from playful applications in toys all the way to groundbreaking impacts in the pharmaceutical industry. And joining us to shed light on this vast spectrum is Drew Patel, the digital lead for North America at Bayer. Drew, would you be kind enough to introduce yourself and your background to our listeners before we start? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here. This is uh, Drew Patel and uh, currently serving as a digital consultant, mostly focused on uh, innovation and cutting edge uh, technologies and capabilities, bringing them into any organization as well as democratizing them to use for internal or commercial operations and then evolving them eventually to get to a customer facing type of thing. Awesome. So before we even get to AI, Drew, I would just like to ensure that we give our listeners an understanding of your journey and the context. So if you could talk a little bit about your career trajectory and how digital took you from toys all the way to pharma. Yeah, absolutely. The way that I always think about it is uh, I was always customer obsessed or end user focused. Anything that caused friction was just very difficult for me to understand. So going back to my childhood days when I saw Atari game posters or uh, cartridge posters, they looked so amazing and beautiful. But when I played them, it was just very rudimentary. Uh, So to me, always refining that experience and focusing on the customer experience has always been the most important aspect. And working at Toys R Us was a joy that uh, I had ever since the first time I stepped into a Toys R Us uh, as a child. So I always wanted to work there, but I always wanted to see Toys R Us kind of move away from the mentality of brick and mortar to a more digital focused business. Uh, Children were changing in 2015, 2016. It was becoming more of a digital world. So kids weren't playing as much with uh, hardware or toys in general. So we needed to really build an experience and bring that digital experience into the store itself. Um, And that basically led me into so many different things because it was always about the end user experience, whether that end user is the customer that buys your product or the end user is the internal customer, sales, marketing, compliance, legal, whoever it is, medical group that is dealing with things. So that's uh, basically, to me, it's never about the product itself. It's all about the experience of the customer and how they're going to relate to it. Makes so much sense, Drew, now that you explain it. So really glad that our listeners got to understand that. And I think you're spot on about customer obsession. So let's get into the topic of the day. Let's talk about demystifying AI or artificial intelligence a bit. How would you define it? Uh, Can you break it down so it's easy for our listeners to kind of wrap their arms around it? Yeah, uh, AI is uh, the buzzword. And it seems to me, at least I've been around long enough, that there's always a new buzzword every one to two to three years or so. Uh, that, that cycle is actually becoming shorter and shorter. Uh, AI actually is, from an outsider perspective, it may seem like it's very transformative and came out of left field. But if you look at it from an industry trend 
perspective, AI is just an evolution of what we were dealing with maybe for the past five years. So a lot of organizations were really looking at data, data science, data aggregation, data curation, cleanup. That allows for AI, artificial intelligence, and machine learning to take over and utilize your clean data to get good predictions. And that's basically ChatGPT. Yes, it came out of uh, the left field for a lot of people, but it it really is an evolution uh, of what we've been doing with data all this time. And since the beginning of uh, web and even before that, during DARPA, we've been aggregating data and cleaning up data so that we can build on it. So that's essentially Essentially, AI is just the next evolution of what we've been doing for a long time. Now, the applications of it are reaching the end user and the consumers, and that's why it's a really big hit. But I see it no different than when everybody was amazed at e-commerce or websites when they first came out. It seemed to come out of nowhere, but now you had content syndication that anyone can do. Anyone can have a website, build a website, register a domain name, uh, and have a little business on the site. So it's the same uh, to me. It's all basically just an evolution. You're so right about that, Drew, and just a little bit of history about uh, Photon here, the co-founders Mukund and Srini back in 2007-8 when they were telling clients that people would buy on the cell phones, nobody was believing them and then <laughs> yeah. the iPhone happened and the rest obviously as they say is history. So uh, that is so true and I think you laid a great insight there when you talked about data and digital as well. So it's absolutely true that anything you do in AI or Gen AI now is requires data and digital. Uh, What would you say are the core tenets of data and digital that need to be in place to leverage AI for driving the right outcomes and the right experiences? Yeah, absolutely. So data discipline has been a key word for a lot of organizations. And I've seen at least in the past three to four years, we've been, uh, many companies have had a hiring freeze whether they were during COVID or after COVID, but they've never stopped hiring data analysts, data scientists, uh, and data discipline really requires that you have quality data, you have data governance that's been put on it, and you have a good digital data in- infrastructure in place to be able to do that. And a lot of organizations in the past five to six years have really been moving to, let's say, a PIM model. Uh, product information management model where there's a proliferation of data lakes and all of these data lakes are now connected and there's a upstream and downstream impact where any data that changes it, it all the systems are really connected so this has really been the main uh, focal point for any organization and it really it started out as a necessity there's just so many databases that got spun up because they were needed, but then you really don't have any idea of where to gain or access to what data or how you can actually leverage that data because it isn't in a clean way. So I would say uh, governance, ensuring data quality, and having a good digital infrastructure in place is the most important. Got it. Governance, data quality, good infrastructure. And I think the other thing you mentioned, which our listeners hopefully will pick up on is there was no stopping of hiring. And I can see that even in in our organization, Drew, where data and AI or data and analytics actually is the fastest growing service line we have at Photon as well. Sorry about that. But uh, so 
maybe uh, taking that a little further i think you talked about the basic principles needed consumer needs to kids desires to human trials that's kind of been your journey <laughs> yes how have you threaded digital and ai through them all uh, did you find things or use cases that were common are there learnings that you were able to transpose from one to the other as you as you made the moves yeah, absolutely. Uh, the commonality that I always find is what I started with. It's the end user experience, whether that end user is a customer or an internal client or internal group department. Um, and it, this is the, the deliberate focus on experience has made it easy to find common use cases. And I'm almost, in a, as an ex- abstractionist, taking use cases out um, and really focusing on it. So the way that I see it a couple of years ago, uh, BASF, uh, company, it's a chemicals company, they had a great slogan, uh, you know, at BASF, they don't make the product, they make the product better. Uh, And to me, that has always been my career trajectory is that any organization that is working or dealing with something, and there are friction points or pain points or issues, I want to be there and really focus on how we can leverage current capabilities that the organization may have, and they're not aware of, or bring in new capabilities that sets them up to really fix the immediate problem, but also sets them up uh, in the long term as well. So whether the uh, organization I work with is a toy company or Amazon or a pharma company, the use cases become very, very uh, focused and and the same. And my role can run the gamut from being an advisor, consultative to assessment, all the way to execution. So I've done pretty much every piece of the work uh, that uh, that really encompasses all of this. Fantastic. That is amazing. And uh, digressing just for 10 seconds, you mentioned BASF and you took me back into my childhood. The first factory that Mm -hmm. I ever visited as a child was the second BASF factory that was built in India. Oh, wow. One of my uncles was the manager for the factory. So he had taken me when I was with him for summer holidays. And somehow I still remember that visit very vividly. Yeah. Uh, The whole thing. It was pretty fascinating. Yeah. But... Coming back to our topic of the day, you've talked a lot about in our conversations, AI as a service. Yep. Uh, could you expand on that for our listeners? Give them some examples, how you see this playing out and how it applies. I think you talked about both internal and external audiences yep. at an organization being affected by it. Absolutely. So in my role, one of the main things that I do is speak with VP levels and above. And the question that I ask is, what keeps you up at night? What is it that uh, you're worried about? Uh, And then I really want to understand what their digital journey or strategic roadmap looks like for the next three years or so. And I want to really focus and pinpoint on where we can automate what we can automate, what we should automate. And I want to focus on any kind of uh, generative AI or AI capabilities that get brought in. The issue and the main print problem is we, the most of these organizations don't have people that are uh, really well-versed in AI or have expertise because it's such a new emerging field. Um, so they end up having to rely on vendor partners, agencies such as Photon. And Photon, I'm sure, can spin up SMEs quickly in uh, this area. Uh, So they end up relying on them. The 
concern and issue is always, and I'm sure you can attest to this when you meet with these folks, their infrastructure may not be in place to actually do anything with AI or the, that roadmap may be may look like it's three years down the line where they can actually utilize and have an impact with uh, AI capability. So AI as a service really is the focus of going in looking at what they currently have, looking at their roadmap, where they want to be, and working backwards. Uh, it really starts with an assessment, almost as uh, Photon, I'm sure, has done many assessments of what uh, the, the issue is, what the problems are, and how we can actually get there. So we want to really focus on what their competitive edge is, what that's going to look like in the next three years or so, how is it that internal use cases can be converted or automated, and data can be cleaned up to get you to a point where you can leverage and utilize AI. Um, now, AI as a service can be simple use cases, uh, such as an OCR technology for your manual uh, procurement invoices that come in. There's no reason that if someone needs to take that attachment, open it up, enter all this information into an Ariba system or your backend procurement system, it can easily be scanned in and brought in. That's one simple use case. But when you tie multiple use cases, you gain confidence in the capability and the technology, and you can start putting all of that together. Um, so that's basically AI as a service can help with the assessment and take you through that entire flow all the way to execution. It makes a lot of sense. And, and you're absolutely right about uh, the structured approach, right? You were mentioning about Photon. We do that as well, which is like, you know, know the grids move, figure out the roadmap. You start experimenting, invest, yes. optimize, operationalize, and institutionalize it down the road. So kind of following that. Mm -hmm. So now it's crystal ball time. It's yep. a question we ask all our guests, right? How do you see AI, Gen AI evolve over the next few years? If you take out your crystal ball, what do you see happening over the next three to five years? Yeah, I feel like this one is going to be a lot more impactful and consequential for many organizations uh, and many people in general because this rate of change that's happening right now. It almost seems like every week there are new use cases or something else that's happening. I actually recently just spoke with a, a friend of mine who it basically is looking at a use case where the AI itself, and it, this isn't just one language model that they're having. They're have, they have maybe two LLMs just to reduce the number of hallucinations. After a certain point, these uh, right. AI they're going to hallucinate because you're continuing to prompt engineer and they're learning from the prompts as well. So they have two in place. Uh, Google Bard would be the analytics or tester in this case. And what they're trying to do is internally, instead of having developers enhance their current existing apps or uh, any applications internally, they're basically leveraging AI to spit, spit out Python code and then having Google Bard test that Python code to see if it's relevant or not. Then they put it into the test environment and go ahead and test it. Now what they've done is they've eliminated the need for a basic developer or development team in, in sense and a QA team to test these things out. And if it actually does turn out that it's 85% not buggy and it's good, 85% good, then you're talking about a huge cost savings when it comes to development resources. Uh, and this can proliferate. This can be brought into the marketing side of things where right now there's a very manual way of uh, that some organizations do campaign marketing this can easily just do whatever it is that it needs to do and then 
trigger you or tell you that this is they took it it, it took advantage of a certain uh, trend or a social media post or something, and it can put a campaign marketing out there. Now, obviously, a lot of organizations are shutting down Chat GPT, and they're controlling it because they want to actually try it and see that this isn't going to impact. Uh, and there are friends, other friends that are really high level at uh, retail companies, and they do not want any of this AI, general AI stuff to be customer focused. What they're doing is they're taking baby steps and that's the way it should be done. It should be an augmentative type of service until it goes to permanent. So there's a, a within buyer, we have uh, agents that pick up the phone when a customer calls and we pride ourselves on being right there within two or three rings, you're talking to a live person. Uh, what we've done is we were using Gen AI to listen voice to text to listen to the customer, transcribe everything into a ticket, and actually have tie into the knowledge base, which looks up for the best answer. So now you have a customer rep who can do the best job of listening to the customer and really focusing on their needs rather than having to look up information and knowledge and type in and creating a ticket. So what we're doing is we're, we're looking at AI as, a, as something that augments the service and the care that we provide our customers. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more with you, Drew. I think augmentation is the way to go. Uh, and even with a lot of our clients, even those who are doing SEO at scale or experimenting with that, with uh, Gen AI and campaign creation and campaign ideas, they're all using it to augment their existing teams, uh, accelerate or give more options in a less period of time that you can choose from. So I, I think that is very true and I appreciate you kind of sharing that story because I think that's important for our listeners as well. It's augmentation is the real trick in the mm -hmm. game in my mind as well. Yes. So we, I know we are coming up on our time, but uh, last, uh, a little bit of fun. We all have been affected by digital in different ways. Can you think back of a time and describe a moment? It could be personal, it could be professional when digital became very real for you. I have had a couple of these in my life, uh, both through my kids. My older daughter, she's now in college, but when she was like eight, I had started a new job, Drew, and she was running one of those kids' triathlon on a Sunday, and I had a flight out for my orientation that Sunday afternoon. So I was going to miss the final piece, and I was feeling bad, and I was like sitting down to explain to her that, you know, daddy has to go away, he's going to miss, all that good stuff, and... Her response simply was, what's the problem? Just start a FaceTime with mom and you can see me come through the finish line. You'll be in the cab and then yeah. we can talk afterwards. It was like, it was a no brainer yeah. for her. She was like, what are you worried about? And it hit me like this generation thinks of digital so differently, right? It just yeah. weaves into their life uh, in a much different way. So I just share that for you as an example, but mm -hmm. what in your life when uh, was the moment that it hit you that digital is like becoming very real. Right. Uh, for me, I was always a, a dreamer and a sci-fi fan. So growing up reading Isaac Asimov uh, fantasy novels, as well as growing up watching Star Trek and Star Wars, I always had this desire that digital I wanted to make it as real as possible. And for me, my career path, my trajectory, I was actually supposed to go to law school, but technology was such a huge force in 1999, 2000 with the uh, dot com blowing up. So I was totally captured at that point. And the 
key was you look at it from an abstractionist point of view and you see where these trends are going, where these capabilities are going. You know, the rate of evolution that used to happen going from World War II where Motorola phones as a company, they were they had uh, these huge backpack soldiers would call from the battlefield and they were connected to towers. They, From that to personal cell phones took almost, I don't know, uh, another 40 years, basically. Now you're seeing these rate of change happen within one decade. You're going from, you know, Blackberries being the hottest thing to iPhones and being able to do everything on your phone. So I would say my personal experience, digital became very real to me, even though I lived in a digital world, was a couple of years ago, I actually forgot my phone at home. And I just felt so alone and so scared in this world to be by myself and disconnected while I was driving. So to me, that that was the moment where we this is it. This, my entire personality, my life is within a digital world. And, you know, that that's uh, to me a sense of we're in we're living within the digital world. Amazing. Amazing. I think uh, it was a loss for the lawyers that you did not go into law, but a big win for us in the digital AI world that you decided to stick with technology and continue your dreams. Uh, I think your insights into the world of AI, especially the expansive application all the way from toys to pharma uh, have truly broadened our horizons. Uh, It's been a pleasure, Drew, uh, to have this conversation with you. And I know your expertise from Bayer the passion that you have for digital strategy all the way from starting as a sci-fi fan, it's given us a very fresh and invaluable perspective. Uh, I'm sure our listeners will have a lot more questions, so we'll probably have you back on the show again shortly uh, to share more. To our listeners, I hope this episode has ignited your digital curiosity further. If you haven't already, feel free to subscribe from wherever you prefer to listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, And stay tuned. We are going to bring more riveting conversations with experts like Drew at the forefront of digital transformation. Until then, stay curious and keep pushing the boundaries. Wishing everyone a fantastic day ahead. And a special thanks to Drew, to you, for being a guest on our show today. Thank you, Deepak. My pleasure.